0: Our first reading is by the recently deceased Vietnamese Buddhist monk and peace activist, Thich Nhat Hanh. Your mind is like a piece of land, planted with many different kinds of seeds. Seeds of joy, peace, mindfulness, understanding, and love. Seeds of craving, anger, fear, hate, and forgetfulness. These wholesome and unwholesome seeds are always there, sleeping in the soil of your mind. The quality of your life depends on the seeds you water. If you plant tomato seeds in your gardens, tomatoes will grow. Just so, if you water a seed of peace in your mind, peace will grow. When the seeds of happiness in you are watered, you will become happy. When the seed of anger in you is watered, you will become angry. The seeds that are watered frequently are those that will grow strong. Here ends the reading. Our second reading is by the 20th century American poet and social activist Langston Hughes entitled in a time of silver rain. In time of silver rain, the earth puts forth new life again. Green grasses grow and flowers lift their heads. And over all the plain, the wonder spreads of life, of life of life in time of silver rain the butterflies lift silken wings to catch a rainbow cry and trees put forth new leaves to sing in joy beneath the sky when spring and life are new here ends the reading
1: The spring season is associated with so many positive connotations, especially for those of us who live in the Northern Hemisphere. The spring means more hours of daylight, more colors in the landscape, and more temperate weather. The spring is also associated with themes like awakening, renewal, rebirth, regeneration, rejuvenation, revival, and hopefulness. The association of the spring with new life and revitalization is so strong that in his poem, In Time of Silver Rain, the poet Langston Hughes repeats the word life four times, of life, of life, of life, and life. The world's religions emphasize the attainment of heightened sense of life, a sort of bliss or spiritual ecstasy, whether in communion with the divine, in mystical experiences, in heaven or in nirvana. And from a naturalistic perspective, the way we speak of the spring is as close to bliss as you can get. You sense this euphoria in Hughes's poem when he describes the new leaves as singing in joy beneath the sky. There's nothing supernatural about this, but it takes a poet to notice the joyful, silent harmony. Even though spring has so many positive connotations, I also recognize that many people I speak with these days are having difficulty feeling much optimism, joy, or revitalization. The season may be changing around us, but our minds are preoccupied with other things. According to a recent survey done by researchers at Penn State, 84% of Americans are either extremely worried or very worried about our country. There are serious concerns about the war in Ukraine. There are worries about the possibility of a Third World War. There are worries that the Third World War has already begun, but we just haven't recognized it as such yet. People are worried that this country is on a path towards an inevitable second civil war due to intractable divisions. People are worried that severe climate change is inevitable and there's not enough momentum to actually save the planet. People are worried about the rising costs of food and gasoline. People are worried about an increase in hate crimes against Asians, against women, and against the elderly. People are worried about public safety on our streets and in our subways. People are worried about the next strain of the coronavirus. People are worried about the midterm congressional elections. The changing of the seasons doesn't change any of these things. And yet, as your preacher this morning, I want to take this occasion of the vernal equinox to remind you that our worries are not the final story on the state of our world today. As liberals, religious or otherwise, we tend to despair easily because we tend to be idealistic people and it bothers us when people or our environment don't measure up to our ideals. We get upset because we know that things don't have to be the way they are. And yet, social, political, economic, and behavioral factors beyond our control get in the way of our preferred future. As a psychotherapist, I also recognize that as human beings, we have a tendency to be absorbed with what's going wrong whether in ourselves, which leads to self-blame, or in our social environment, which leads to discouragement. For these reasons, I want to tell you today about things which are going right. What I'm going to tell you about today won't appear on any headlines and won't be trending on social media, but it's important to remind ourselves that our forebears and our contemporaries have planted some good seeds here and there, whose flowers we tend to overlook. The first piece of good news I have has to do with something we take for granted every day, clean drinking water. Two weeks ago, you heard me preach about health and healing, and I mentioned that one of the leading causes of death in ancient Egypt was due to waterborne parasitic infections. Today, over 90% of people across the globe have access to improved drinking water. In 1990, 4% of global deaths were due to unsafe drinking water. And today it's less than 2% and continues to drop. Next, there continues to be progress in equality based on sex. With increased awareness, there is less tolerance for sexual harassment and violence in our country. The rates of forced marriages, underage marriages, and spousal abuse are decreasing around the globe, and more women are getting elected as presidents, prime ministers, governors, and mayors. The pay gap between women and men is also decreasing, as is the education gap. Another interesting fact is that while the internet was invented in the 1990s by a a Unitarian, in case you didn't know, Access to the internet and advanced technology continues to rise globally. At the turn of the millennium, only 9% of people were online. And in this decade, almost 50% of people in the world and three quarters of Americans are online. With access to the internet and an increase in the use of smartphones, people have access to more information in their pocket than any library, ancient or modern. Thanks to the internet, regardless of lockdowns and quarantines, young people were able to continue with their education. And even the best and most prestigious educational institutions offer online courses for people to take, often for free. Another thing we take for granted is food. Even with rising food prices, there are no reports of widespread starvation or malnutrition. Farmers today produce enough food to feed every person on the planet with 3,000 calories a day, far more than the 2,000, which is the recommended daily allowance. After the Second World War, the United Nations found that there were 50 countries which had a food supply of less than 2,000 calories per day per person. Today, only two countries are on that list, And there's no reason today for any person anywhere to starve except in instances of war or natural disaster. Globally, with the exception of the period during the worst of the pandemic, incomes are rising and absolute poverty is decreasing. Humans are living longer lives. Maternal mortality is declining. Infant mortality is declining. Wars are a less common way of resolving conflict than they used to be. And when wars do occur, they tend to be shorter. The rate of people living in slums is decreasing. IQ scores are increasing. Fewer countries criminalize same-sex relations and more countries are legally recognizing same-sex unions. Global vaccination rates are increasing and cancer deaths are decreasing. There are fewer instances of capital punishment around the world. More people live in a democracy. There are fewer nuclear arsenals. There's less child labor and fewer workplace accidents. People are attending school for longer. Fewer people use tobacco. There are fewer pregnancies among adolescents. Fewer people are illiterate. People have more leisure time than ever. Solar energy is getting cheaper. People are growing to be taller than ever before. More endangered species are being protected. There are desalification efforts in drier climates. More people in tropical climates have access to malaria bed nets. And last year, the World Health Organization approved the first ever malaria vaccine. For most of human history, the human condition has been marked by poverty, hunger, and misery. Now thanks to reason, science, political freedom, democracy, and humanism, more people than ever before are able to enjoy lives which are longer, healthier, more prosperous, more secure, happier, freer, wiser, deeper, and more interesting. Human progress is not inevitable, but with faith and effort, it is possible. In 1886, our Unitarian forebear, James Freeman Clark wrote an essay in which he outlined the five main points of Unitarian theology. One of those points was, the progress of humankind onward and upward forever. As the 19th century turned into the 20th century, fewer people could sympathize with Clark's optimism, but I think he was insightful. Progress may not be linear, and setbacks are inevitable, but the spring reminds us that just as the green grasses grow, so does our capacity for progress, peace, and justice.